So I want to stay on the same theme that I was talking to you about earlier. Um, about just being focused on Jesus during the Christmas season. Um, really every day of your life, but like I said, this is a unique opportunity during this season to have conversations about the gospel, to revel in Jesus, to enjoy God, to be focused intentionally on the arrival of Jesus. I was talking to one of my friends this week, and I, this has been the case with many people who I talk to during this time, just talking about the fact that the holidays always aren't a joyous time for a lot of people. You know, you think, okay, it's the holidays, it's Christmas, we're getting together, we just got off Thanksgiving, this is good times. But a lot of people get depressed, get anxious, hate the holidays, just want to get past it, and then January hits and they're like, just bring the spring on because I can't take the winters in New England. Right? Many of us have bad memories of the holidays. Some of us have great ones. I don't want to belittle those. But for some of us, the holidays were a horrible time. Some of us are like, do I have to get together with the family that I don't like again? Do we have to have those uncomfortable conversations where we don't talk to each other all year, but somehow we're supposed to be joyous about to get together around a turkey, right? Everyone's just mad. We're waiting for someone to say one thing. Everyone's going to explode and it's going to be on YouTube, right? A lot of times, Christmas season is not a time that people celebrate. For many of us, it is, and that's awesome. But what we have to do is realize it's not just about gifts. It's not just about spending money. It's not just about food. It's not just about lights or traditions and all those things. Even those things can be great. They're not primary. The primary thing is that God's own son came into this world, born as a baby, to save us, to love us, to reconcile us with God. This is the beauty of Christmas. This is why we celebrate, because it is true that God is love. So we're going to talk about the story of Mary today and the virgin birth. But there's one thing I, among many that I want to stick out in your mind today. The thing that the angel Gabriel said to Mary when he was letting her know that through being a messenger of God, that she would bear a son as a virgin and he would be the son of God. Gabriel said, you have found favor in the eyes of God. Now that's for, not just for Mary. I want you guys to hear that. Yes, in a unique way, if you're having the Son of God, you found favor in the eyes of God. We're not going to argue that. Mary is blessed among women. No one's arguing that. But God is saying to us all through the birth of Jesus that you all who have put your faith in Jesus, who have trusted in God, who have hoped in the Savior, have found favor in the eyes of God. You guys hear me? You need to know that God delights in you. How many times does the religion teach us that God's mad at us? You can't do enough good things. I'm going to start going back to church. I'm not going to sin this week. I'm not going to watch that program I shouldn't be watching. I'm not going to say that naughty word. I said naughty. And we think if we do this many things, if we can just tip the scale, that God will delight us, that God will love us, and we'll find favor with God. You have found favor with God because of His goodness, and He sent His Son for you because He loves you, and He delights in you, and that's true. That ain't religion teaches the wrong thing. The gospel teaches you, you are delighted in. God loves you. He cares for you. He gave his son for you. So I want you guys to hear that today. Because we need to hear that, that God loves us. It seems so simple, yet it's so powerful because sometimes we don't live like God delights in us. We wake up and think we have to earn God's love, or we're not good enough, or we have condemnation, or I can't go to church. What if he says something that's going to convict me? You know what I mean? Like all those things can happen. God loves you. He cares for you. And the birth of Jesus attests to that. 
How many people you think believe in the virgin birth? If you were to ask a bunch of adults around here, how many believed in the virgin birth? How many, the percentage-wise, what would be your guesses? <laughs> 15, 20, 6. Going low on them. This is like the price is right here. I'm going to give a winner. 73%. Is that unbelievable? Recent survey, 73% say they believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. Now, as is the case is with many things that we say we believe, I don't think people understand the implications of that. Right? If Jesus was born of a virgin, if this was miraculous, if this was God's own son, if 73% of people believe in that, that means that they believe he is the son of God. That means they believe he is the savior. That means that his world should affect everyone's, his worldview should affect everyone's worldview. Right? There's so many implications. That means that Jesus is the authority. Everything he says is life, is revelation, is truth, and we should put our, all our hope in Jesus. Larry King understood this. I want to give you this quote because it's important that we understand this. And Larry King's not a believer. Larry King, when he was being interviewed, he was asked in all of human history, who would you want to interview? And he said, Jesus. You know, we hear that all the time, right? That's not a surprise. But then the the interviewer asked him, what would you want to ask Jesus? And Larry King said, I, want to, I would want to ask him if it, he was really virgin born. Because if he was virgin born, that would reshape my whole understanding. And I'm paraphrasing here, but I'll read the exact quote. I would ask him if he was indeed virgin born. The answer to that question would define history for me. So 73% of people in the United States adults if they're saying that Jesus is virgin born, that should define history, their lives, their purpose, every day, every moment, every breath for them. And that's what I want us to hear today. I want you to be encouraged in the virgin birth today, that it was miraculous and that it shapes our history. It shapes our purpose. It's a sign that the gospel is true and Jesus is who he says he is. If you truly believe in the virgin birth, and we'll get, we'll unpack that. If you truly believe that, that changes everything, that shapes history, you should even go out of here today as a believer and be encouraged in your faith. All right, let's turn to, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke 1, 26 through 37. If not, no worries, we'll read through it. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled <coughs> at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. <clears throat> he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy 
the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month, month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed. So let's start there. That wasn't my phone. The preacher should always shut off his phone before he preaches. But it wasn't me. It's important to understand because people start. Of course, there's believers that Jesus is the son of God, born of a virgin. And there's opponents. You know, we don't want to be naive. There's people who do not believe this. That's why it's by faith. The opponents, their argument was that after 80, 90 AD, that Christianity, because they were trying to compete with other religions, other pagan religions, Greek mythology, those kind of things, that all had these virgin births, that they decided to add in that Jesus was born of a virgin, right? It was a competitive thing, that we were trying to put in something so people would believe that Jesus was who he says he was. What they don't realize that Jesus, hundreds, hundreds of years before, it was prophesied that the Messiah would be born of a virgin before all of that stuff. So many prophecies, prophecies that Jesus fulfilled through his life, through his birth, through all those things. It's not something that is made up so we have, to, it helps us believe. Do you guys hear me? People always say, well, if it helps you believe, believe it. No. I don't want to believe in anything that's not true. I don't want to get up and need to make something up so I feel better about the day. Because I can feel better about the day. I feel better with reality. Tell me the truth so I can deal with it. I don't need to make up fairies in the sky. I don't need to, to uh, you know, believe in something to help me skip around. I need to believe in the truth. And I want you guys to hear the virgin birth was not something made up in 8090 AD. It was something prophesied hundreds of years before. So let's look at it. In 700 BC, the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 7.14 spoke these words. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. God is with us. 700 years before, the prophet Isaiah said this would happen. And we're going to continue to unpack it. But the virgin birth is meant to be a sign to us all who believe that the gospel is true. It's meant to build your faith. Not to give you something to believe in that's myth so you feel better about life, but something that's real, that happened, that only God could do, and he did. It had never happened in human history before, and it will never happen again. Never again will a woman get pregnant because God made her pregnant without being with a man in a sexual relationship. That will not happen again. That was a one-time thing only for Jesus as a sign to build our faith so we would believe. God is showing his miraculous and new unique power to show us the identity of Jesus and should cause us to worship him. And Mary knew this because she said, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. She knew this. Now, I want us to um, take a minute to analyze the situation from a human's perspective. Imagine you're married. Now, we don't know the exact age. Some say 15, some say 17, some say 18. She was most likely a teenager. I don't know. Like, I'll try to explain my situation because we only relate from our own situations, right? When we found out Natalie was pregnant, that was stressful for us. Like, 
for some, only because we didn't plan it, and me and Natalie are like ridiculous planners. Like, we're like, 10 years, we'll do this on December 26th, that's what we're going to eat. Like, we're way ahead of the game on planning. So our plan was, and I told you guys a few times, let's wait a few years, if it gets extended, that's all right, let's work it. And let's, you know, then we'll, when we want, we'll have a kid. Three months in, she got pregnant. And I love people crack me up when they act surprised when someone gets pregnant and they're married. Like, what is that all about? I don't know. Like, how'd that happen? We know how it happened. Stop acting surprised when you get pregnant when you're in the marriage and you know what's going on. And so, <laughs> see what I do? I get sidetracked. Then I ain't preaching the gospel no more. What I was trying to say is imagine the stress that's shown in this text. Mary's a little stressed out. You know, never mind being pregnant. You're pregnant with the Son of God. So you have a lot of questions going on. First, it's my first pregnancy. I could explain this to Joseph. Try that first conversation in a relationship. You're engaged. You're betrothed. You're going to marry this dude. And let's sit down. We've got to talk about a few things. I know what you're going to think, but I'm pregnant, but I wasn't with anyone. Try to work. That's healthy start, right? She's going to have this tough conversation with Joseph. <laughs> and she's about to have the Son of God, and she's going to be the mother to the Son of God. There's a lot of stress that goes on there. So let's hear that human part of that. That's natural. But there's this other side of the coin where Mary feels the favor of God. This is a holy moment. This is amazing. Mary was a humble woman. No one knew about her. No one would have ever guessed she was going to be the one who bore the Son of God. She never in a million years thought an angel was going to visit her that night to be a messenger to tell her that she would have the Son of God. She is humbled by that. She is moved by that. You're going to say Mary is from an oppressed people. The people of Israel are oppressed. hundred years of slavery, they're trying to create their own identity. They're trying to get out from under the Roman Empire. They're oppressed. And now the, God himself has come to her and said, you will bear the Savior, the Messiah, the Great One, the King who will rule and save. She is built up with gratitude and praise and joy. And we'll unpack that more lately, later. But this is an amazing thing that's happened. Amazing that he would come to Mary, who no one knew, and said, you will bear the Son of God. And it will be a sign of the power of the gospel in the goodness of God. <clears throat> and Mary has this response. She says, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. That's amazing. The second thing I want us to really focus on, because <clears throat> many people don't, opponents of the faith would say this, <clears throat> that Mary was a liar. What teenage girl who gets pregnant would go around saying, What's a good story? You know, you can tell your father that guy he don't like did it. But imagine you go around and you say that God got me pregnant. They said Mary was in so much turmoil that she thought of this elaborate story that God made her conceive. She's a liar. They would call Jesus a son of fornication. You even hear the Pharisees and religious leaders say that. Say, we know your parents. We know where you come from. We know your father. You know, so there was word around town was Mary was a liar. Because that's what you have to believe if you don't think she's virgin born. You have to think that Mary is an absolute liar. And that's what people would use against 
Jesus and against them because they were opponents. Um, one of my friends the other day we were talking about, and he was raised in a different religious system that doesn't believe that Jesus is the Messiah or virgin born. So his parents would actually tell him that she was a liar. Say so they believed that Mary was the mother of God, human mother of God, but she was actually a liar. She was having a premarital affair and came up with this whole story. Now let me ask you, how many people into probability and um, percentages and what's the chances here? Okay, just just go down logical road with me right here. Mary, say, the chances of Mary being a liar and say she was made pregnant miraculously by God intervening, and then Jesus turning out to be who he was, what are the chances of that? What are the chances of someone who has emotional problems and is lying about a pregnancy to have a man who becomes the most influential person in human history? That is not logical. He was sinless. He died. He rose again. He healed the sick. Roughly 2 billion people believe in Jesus today in this world. That kind of stuff doesn't happen because someone's lying about something miraculous. God intervened into human history and miraculously made a virgin conceive his own son and God was his father. Did you guys hear that truth today? Live in this truth. This is one of the pillars of the faith. There's some liberal theologians say, if you throw out the virgin birth, it's not a big deal. What are you talking about? Not a big deal. The whole foundation of our faith, this is one of the pillars it sits on. You guys need to hear this. Now, Jesus knew his father was God, and we see this over and over again when he says, I'm about my father's work, about my father's business. Anyone remember the story when they're, they're leaving the temple and Mary loses Jesus? I don't know about you guys. I'm not usually for those little wristbands that hold kids, but I'll let it go if you've got the son of God. You know what I mean? How do you lose the son of God for three days? I hope no one uses a wristband. I didn't mean to offend you if you use one of those little wristbands. I'm sorry. But they're on a trip. She loses track of Jesus. She thinks he's with the relatives. Three days it takes them to find Jesus. When they find Jesus, he's 12 years old. He's in the temple. And what does he say? I'm in my father's house doing my father's business. When he's baptized, you hear the voice of the father just confirming that Jesus is his father. That this isn't Greek mythology. That this isn't something made up for we believe. That he's actually God's own son. And this should shape our history and shape who we are and cause us to respond in a beautiful way. Now, we live in a culture, and so I'll hit this now. I don't know. Do we have a statue of Mary here? We're, we're meeting in a Catholic school, so there might be a statue of Mary around. I'm sure many of us were baptized a Catholic. If you're either Irish or Italian and you were born roughly 35 years ago or so, you were baptized as a Catholic. That's how it went down in this culture, right? But I want you to hear Mary's response here because Mary didn't put herself in the place of a deity. She didn't do it. This is Mary's response in the scriptures to the fact that she's going to give birth to the Son of God. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. This is in verses 47 through 55, I believe. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. 
For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Do you guys see that Jesus was as much Mary's Savior as he is our Savior? Because there's doctrines out there that say that Mary was sinless. Because people, once again, think that they have to hype up the story for people to believe. Mary, in a million years, would never want you to make a statue of her or bow down to her or worship her. Never. Jesus was as much as her Savior as he is ours. But it's a gratitude to the gospel because it wasn't just that she was having a baby as a virgin. It was that Jesus had finally arrived to save his people, Israel. He was finally here. We saw it prophesied in the story of Adam and Eve that one would come to crush the head of Satan. And finally, the one who would crush his head was being born into this world. That's the kind of response we need during this holiday Christmas season. The kind of response that Jesus is, a, he's here now, but we're looking back at the story. Mary's feeling like he's coming soon and he's going to change everything. He's going to change our lives. How many people remembered, for those of us who believe, when you first were awakened to the truth that Jesus died for you, loves you, was the Son of God, has reconciled you with God the Father, has changed your life, you had new hope, new peace, new love, new joy. Do people remember that time? For everyone, it's different. Some of us grew up in the faith, so it's different. For me, I just couldn't get over the fact of the God, the truth of the gospel. Like, I'd be driving the car and I'd be crying. I tried to cry out of this eye so they couldn't see me on the left side. But I'd be crying like, because eh, eh, something happened in my heart where I believed. And you're going to stand faith to a degree as a gift that you believe. And I remember what it did in the gratitude. I couldn't believe that Jesus did what he did and he was who he what, said he was and that what it meant for my life. I want you guys to feel this during the season, the truth of that. One of my other friends um, sent me a text. He might be in here. But he said this past Thanksgiving was the first time he felt gratitude. Gratitude. But it was because of Jesus. It's because of the gospel. The gospel makes us feel new emotions in a different way and more powerful and more immense than you ever felt. And I want us to be feeling those all through this Christmas season. To really focus. What are you talking about during this Christmas season? Because this thing you, you can talk about Aunt Rita, because she drives you crazy. You can talk about the fact you didn't get invited there, and that's a tradition. And I ain't making this because they never eat it. Like, there's so many things that can happen during the season. Instead of being gracious to God for his son Jesus and what he's done for you. Make that your conversation. Get everyone weirded out. Sit down say, let's talk about the gospel right now. And everyone starts getting uncomfortable. The dude, you know, everyone, well, I'll gossip, but don't get that in the middle of the conversation. I'll talk about somebody as long as it's not the gospel. 
That's going to change your life when you intentionally say with your family, with your friends, say, let's talk about what this really means. What really happened? God's own son was born of a virgin into this world to save the world that was lost. That conversation, we need to hear the gospel. Not only unbelievers need to hear the gospel, believers need to hear the gospel. I'm telling you right now, we need to hear the gospel. Can I be honest with you guys? Because I, I try to be as much as possible. I went away on vacation. You know what vacation feels like to me? It feels like I have no weight on me. Do you know what I mean? There's no weight. Like I'm saying, how could anyone who just has to work a job and provide for the family ever be stressed? I, I don't understand it from because I just don't understand it. I do understand it, but I don't. You guys hear what I'm saying? You, I understand when you get stressed. But in my mind, I'm saying, and it's not to boast me up, working your own business, planning a church, having a family, people going through struggles, being there, I'm going through struggles, being there, like all this stuff is so immense 24-7. I get on vacation, I'm like, how is anyone ever stressed who has just the nine to five is coming home? I don't understand that. Know what it does to my heart? I start saying, maybe I'm not that called. You know what I mean? I start saying, maybe if I just took all that off of my plate and maybe I could just go somewhere and draw something. God still loves me. Like all these things start going on in my heart like, I don't want to give my life for people anymore. I'm just being honest with you guys. I need the gospel as much as you. I start saying, I don't want to give my life for people. You know, I could make more money. I could do this. I have a great, you know, I love my family. I could have fun just me and my family. Like, all these things go through these selfish things. I'm, I'm confession. I'm, I'm confessing right now. I'm just being honest. And I start saying, you know, when you get in that place, then you start saying, are people ever really going to change? Is this even worth it? You know, what's going on? You know, like you stop feeling bad for yourself. I'm moping around. That's what, that's the whole abbreviation. I'm moping around feeling bad for myself. About Tuesday when I got back, I said, man, I can't, I can't stay in this gear. I can't, I can't do this. There's something wrong with my heart. This is sinful. I get this book on the gospel. And I start reading it. And this guy named Ray Ortland just started talking about gospel culture and what the gospel really meant, all these things. And I, I felt all these things finally coming back alive in my soul, what I believed in, what I hoped, what really meant. Not all my selfishness, but why I, and I'm sure many of you, give my life for the gospel. Because it's the only truth. It's the only thing that changed people. It's the only thing that gives me hope. And my whole attitude changed towards God, towards myself, towards others, because I realized what the gospel was. We need to have those conversations. We need to remind each other that what you're giving your life for is the only thing worth giving your life for. That every dime you give, every moment you give, every struggle you go through, everything you sacrifice for anyone is the only thing that will ever matter in eternity. Everything else is dust and ashes. You have to remind yourself of this. You have to. That the gospel is true. That God came in the world. That he loves us. And that we're called to give our lives. But it's the greatest thing and the happiest thing. Most joyful thing you could ever do. Have gospel conversations. Remind each other during the season. When you sit down for meals. You, we need it. We all need it. Because we all go through times of struggle. This is the season culturally to share the gospel with your unbelieving friends and family. And once again, I always say this, you don't have to be weird about it. Like, you don't have to start off, you know you're going to hell? Let's go sit down. 
Like, that's not how you start a gospel conversation. It is good news. It's healthy. It's sophisticated. It's intelligent, yet it's so simple. You know what? Let's talk about this. What are the implications of the virgin birth? What do you think about Jesus historically? What does this mean? What do you think about God? What do you think about creation? What do you think about death? Allow all these things to come out because it's good news when you get to tell what you believe. This is what I believe. I don't believe that this is it. I don't believe we're just here by chance. I don't believe we just don't have meaning. I believe we're made in the image of God and loved by God. And the gospel shows this. And I believe there's life after death, even better life with God for eternity, worshiping him with God's redeemed people. Like you can get there in healthy conversation while eating your pumpkin pie. Like that can happen. Let this be the season where you have healthy and sophisticated conversation about that. And I want to end with this because I don't know if everyone believes here. And I just want to remind of us, remind us, the gospel is simple. And this is a simple gospel. And all you must do is believe. God created this world out of his goodness. All of us, we're all made in the image of God. Man chose to reject God and be his own God when it really comes down to it. He wanted to be like God. Rejects God. God still shows grace and even from that moment says, I'll send someone who will save you. We didn't have all the details of how it would go down, but it's even better than anyone could have ever thought. God's own son, the second person of the Trinity, who has always existed, who is love, who is the author of love, willingly gives himself up and comes being born through a virgin, lives a perfect life, dies a perfect dead, rise again, r- rises again from the dead, so that all who believe in him might be saved. Now the gospel just doesn't stop there. We are in the period between Jesus ascended and said, I will come back. His soon is a little bit different from our soon. It's been roughly 2,000 years. He said one day he will come back. For all who believe, this is a good thing. You know, people are always afraid about the end times. I can't understand when believers are always afraid about the end times. Like, this is a good thing. The disciples stood around and they're like, is today the day? In a good way. They weren't like putting bottles in the basement. This was a good thing they were looking forward to. We're caught in that air, in that time where we're called to go out and preach that good simple gospel to a broken world that needs it. Do you know how much people need to be reconciled with God? Need the hope of the gospel who are drowning in their sins and have no idea what's going on. Cause everyone's just telling them all these other worldviews and they're like, that's not helping. That's not helping. We need to hear that we're sinners and we need a perfect God to die for us. Stop telling these people they're not sinners. We are sinners. We're filthy sinners. You know it. We are filthy sinners in need of a perfect God. And sorry, spit. And this is the best news that you could ever get. Ever get. This is good news. This ain't condemning news. This is, there's a way to be reconciled with God, to be saved, to be made clean, to be guiltless, to enjoy this relationship with God, and it affects your whole life. This is great news. People need it. They need it more than, we can't use the excuse we're afraid anymore because that's not love. That's not okay. Well, I'm going to feel awkward. I'm going to be afraid. I understand, but you got to love someone enough to put the gospel out there because people need the gospel. People need the gospel. I mean, I just want to share the story because sometimes people think, I shared the gospel with my friend or family on the moment. They didn't ask me to baptize them in the tub at the table, so it didn't work. Right? We want right away repentance, baptizing the tub, 
the dude starting a church plan. <laughs> like, it doesn't go down like that. I just want to share the story. I have one of my friends. He might be in here. He might not be in here. When I start, first started following God, we got into a heated, lively debate. That's how we talked. And this friend said, he used some Greek. He said, there's no bleeping God. So he said to me, I'm talking, this wasn't like, listen, I just want to talk to you about something else, friends. There's no God. He said, there's no bleeping God. Deal with it. That person might or might not be here today. I'm saying that because people don't always respond immediately but you get to plant the seed of salvation, the seed of the gospel, with your friends and family this holiday, this Christmas. Know that truth. Please do it. It's worth it. It is absolutely worth it. Amen? All right. Let's just pray. And then we'll take communion, celebrate God, sing, all that good stuff.